the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network, presented by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamepodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network. It is currently Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning, August 16th. I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun episode because it is time to get into the round of 32 matches in Cincinnati on the men's side. So looking forward to breaking down some of those matches. Not going to go through all of them, but we will go through some. So we're going to go through the same exact format we did for the last Masters 1000 which is going through the matches that kind of caught my eye. Not going through all of them, but jumping around probably to like five or six and just mentioning my plays and my takeaways. So before we get into any of that, do want to recap how we did in the last episode. Starting off with the Lock and Dog picks, we swept once again. We've been on fire lately, and we swept one more time. To go through the Lock and Dog picks there, ended up for the lock, having Fakina to win in straight sets at minus 135. We took it early on BetMGM because it was the only book that actually had 2 nothing early. But if you waited until FanDuel and other books dropped the lines, you actually could get Fakina in straight sets at around minus 108. So you could have gotten a much better line. But once again, BetMGM was the only line available for that match when I recorded. And I liked it a lot, so I took it anyway. So did not exactly take the best line in the end, but still got the win at minus 135 as he was able to beat Echeverry relatively easily. And for the dog, took Purcell on the money line at plus 115. Did he get the good end of the money line, closing line value there as Purcell closed it around even money, and he won in straight sets. Now, uh, once again, we've been rolling, so let's try to keep it rolling here on Wednesday. And I do want to briefly go through my takeaways from the round of 64 in Cincinnati. So to start off with, once again, it was a bit of a two-parter because of bad weather, but uh, to go through the first day of the round of 64, just to mention my brief takeaways there, for the most part, nothing was really that crazy on Monday. Berrettini ended up losing to Felix, which was a bit of a shock there. Congrats to Felix for winning a match. Did he lose to Manorino in the next round? Yes, but still, we'll focus on this first. Congrats to Felix for actually winning a match. Berrettini's been a mess all year, and yeah, I probably shouldn't give him out in any outrights anytime soon. Uh, besides that, though, Jari did beat Safulin in three sets, came from behind. However, it did result in him retiring from the tournament or withdrawing from the tournament because Jari ended up not actually participating in his following match. So... If you're wondering where Jari is, he won and then dipped. So he's no longer in the event. Besides that, you had Isner losing to Thompson in the first round. Isner once again sucks. He's a complete auto fade. He can't move. And he loses basically every tiebreak now because once again, he cannot move. Besides that, though, you had a fun three setter between Warenka and Nakashima. Did technically take two days to complete, but I believe they resumed it when Warenka already had five games in the third set. So it didn't take that much time uh, to finish the match once it was once it was resumed. And you had Korda losing again. Another American player is underachieved ever since he opened his mouth before Wimbledon. I don't think he's won many matches. And Chorich, the defending champion was able to beat him 7-6-6-4. So once again, the main takeaway, I guess, was Felix winning a match. But once again, the celebration was short-lived as we're going to move into the Tuesday 
uh, actual action. And to start off with Felix, he lost in straight sets to Manorino. So congrats to Felix. You won a match, and I'll get out. Uh, besides that, though, uh, to go through any other takeaways, I'll go in order here. Umbert, a nice win against Phils. Fun match. He won in three. Tommy Paul had a bit of a war there against Kikmanovic, which didn't totally shock me because in the head-to-head, Kikmanovic was actually undefeated against Paul in their careers before the match on Tuesday. So Paul exercised some demons, and he ended up winning uh, 7-5, 7-6. So nice win there. Murray ended up withdrawing from the entire event because of the abdomen injury that he suffered in the last event. So not a total shock there. Uh, besides that, Fritz beat uh, Laheshka. Fun first set there, went to 16-14 in the breaker before Fritz eventually won and then won in straight sets. Papyron beat Altmaier in... Three sets, that was a bit of a war. Uh, besides that, though, you ended up seeing Zverev bury Dimitrov as he won 6-2, 6-2. I mentioned Fakina already. Uh, Monfi had a very fun match against Nori. Looked really bad early because he got injured, kind of tweaked his knee, and then responded by winning the next two sets. Really bad year for Nori. I know he backed him earlier in the year. Once again, his year peaked by beating Alcaraz and injured Alcaraz on clay several months ago, and he's been useless ever since. Uh, besides that, you had a fun three-setter between Hercatch and Kokonakis, which ended up going to three, and Hercatch won two tiebreakers in that match. You had an upset, though, in the match after, because Rublev lost to Rusevori back-to-back immediate eliminations for Rublev and Masters 1000 events on hard court. Not good, so Rublev in bad form. Also appeared to be borderline crying, on the chair where he was just really disappointed in his level of play and he was just he was going through it let's put it that way and Rusevori ended up beating him in two separate tie breaks you had Dimineo at a very weird match against Wolf won the first match uh, first set 6-0 then lost the next set 3-6 and then beat Wolf 6-1 in the third so a pretty weird match there but he still won in three uh, you had McDonald who ended up beating Hoffman in two and a great almost upset where you had Alcaraz taking on Thompson. And Alcaraz played terribly for most of the match, and yet he ended up winning in three. Arguably should have lost in straight sets because Thompson kind of handed over the first set there. He was up a break and then fell apart. But Alcaraz ended up going five for 17 in breakpoint chances. In the first set alone, he was two for 12. So it's not like he wasn't threatening. He just couldn't convert, and then eventually he ended up doing better in some of the high-pressure points, and you ended up seeing him win in three. But my main takeaway from the matches yesterday, first of all, is the fact that Rublev's in terrible form, and he's going to have to get that fixed. The other takeaway was something I'll mention in the preview for the upcoming matches regarding Monfils' knee, but not ideal there. The other one is Alcaraz, because once again, he's still winning, but after a disappointing showing in Toronto where he was the favorite to win the event, and he ended up losing to Tommy Paul before the semifinals even took place. Didn't even win his quarter, which is definitely embarrassing there. To go to three sets against Thompson is not good on hard court, so Alcaraz is in bad form. And I'm not saying it's going to fully translate to the U.S. Open, because the U.S. Open does play faster than the hard courts in Cincinnati and Toronto. But it's not a good look because you figure, all right, maybe Alcaraz is going to need some time to transition from the Hopman Cup, which was a clay exhibition event, to hard court. He's played several matches, and he has not looked good in any of them. And I feel like, once again, that's not a great sign for this tournament especially. I don't think Alcaraz is going to beat Djokovic in this tournament if they face off against each other. But in the U.S. Open, 
Once again, it might be an overreaction because the hardcourt speeds are different, but I'm taking Djokovic over Alcaraz on hardcourt any day if they face off against each other. But anyway, not much more to add from the recap. Once again, though, swept all that matters, and hopefully we'll sweep once again. But anyway, time to get into the Wednesday action here. Starting off with the first match of the day, which should be an interesting one. You have Umber taking on Tommy Paul. Now, they have faced off before, faced off one time, and Paul did win in three. It was back in 2018 on hard court, so really doesn't matter. Now, Umber went to three sets against Phils. Nice win there. Paul had a two-set marathon. Now, for the sake of this match, Paul is a decent favorite, but he thought it might be a little bit bigger because Paul's minus 150 and Umber's plus 130. I'm a bit shocked Paul's only 150 here. I thought he'd be a bigger favorite, especially after what happened in Toronto. I guess the argument's fatigue. Maybe he's going to be exhausted, but I'm going to lean Paul here. I think 150 is too short. I think it should be closer to 180. And I think that Umber, despite being a solid player at times, the unforced error counts a serious problem, and Paul's very good at keeping the ball in play. I think it's a bad matchup for Umber in general. It might go to three sets, maybe, but I think Paul's going to win 150, though, does seem pretty short. I'll lean to Paul in that one. Moving on to the next match, you have Musetti taking on Medvedev. Now, for this one, I really don't have much to talk about because I I gave it, this match out as a lock a couple episodes ago as I ended up taking Medvedev to win in straight sets, and he did. Now, it's a little bit tricky, once again, when you have the immediate rematch angle, so maybe Musetti's going to play better. Having said that, he's still not a great hardcore player, and Medvedev is. Now, Medvedev has been struggling to actually win titles recently, but he's still good at elim at avoiding early eliminations. He tends to lose in these hardcore tournaments in the quarters or semis. But we know that in the French Open, he lost immediately to Seabolth Wild. Besides that, though, he's been pretty consistent at taking care of business in the first couple rounds. And Musetti did end up beating Evans in straight sets in Cincinnati, but we saw Evans in Toronto struggle because of how slow the courts play. And I'm not shocked Evans lost immediately in this event once again because the tournaments are pretty comparable in terms of court speeds between Toronto and Cincinnati. Now, Medvedev has not played since losing to Dimenauer in the Toronto uh, tournament. But you're looking at, once again, a guy who should be a hefty favorite, and he is. I think he probably wins in straight sets, if I had to guess, but... Do I want to take it? Not really. I'm not really sold on taking Medvedev at minus 490. Four and a half games. He didn't cover that last time, winning 6-4, 6-4. I really don't see much I actually like in this match. Medvedev should, keyword should, win in straight sets. But immediate rematch kind of scares me off, so I'm going to stay away from that one. Uh, besides that, I am going to jump around now once I talk about Papyrin and Jari uh, not having to play on... Wednesday because Jari quit, so Papyron's already advanced into the next round. Uh, besides that, though, you have an interesting matchup, which I am intrigued by, between Purcell and Rude. And Rude's a big favorite, as he should be, because his ranking's a lot higher. However, we know Rude is kind of underachieved so far this year. He's minus 280. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because Purcell just made us money as a dog. But Purcell's been good, and when you're looking at what should be a lot of long rallies and both guys aren't great servers... Rude's a better server, but I think it's close. On the slow courts, I think Purcell can make this interesting. His spread is around three and a half or four. I think Purcell is a pretty interesting option to cover there. Maybe the match goes three. Match to go three set is plus 155. I think Purcell's potentially live in this match. I'm not saying he's going to win, 
But I do think that he can make it very difficult for Rude. And Rude, who has not been in good form lately, I think can find himself into some trouble if he's not if he's uh, not careful. And we saw them play in the U.S. Open and some qualifying in 2018. Doesn't mean anything. Rude won 7-6-7-5, but back then it did go to two competitive sets. Maybe you'll see a repeat here, but I do think looking at the total games here of 21 and a half, I am tempted by the over. I'm tempted by the plus in the games, and I do think three sets is a possibility. Now, for some other matches here, Sonigo Fritz is interesting, but I really don't have much on it. I'll tell you right now, Fritz should not be laying minus 455. Like, that's an insane price. Uh, I see 390 on Bet Online, for example. But according to a database I'm using, it says that Fritz is around 455 on BetMGM. I'm going to have to check that because if it actually is 455, that's an insane price. Uh, so let me check that. I see 400, so the database is lying to me. But Fritz at 400 is still a pretty crazy number here for a guy that once again has played a bunch of tennis for the last couple of weeks with no time off. And he ended up going to a very long first set against Laheshka, which he won. Then Laheshka ran out of gas, and Fritz won in straight sets. I think Fritz, once again, should probably win. But 400 for a guy that played in all of these tournaments in Atlanta, in D.C., in Toronto, and now in Cincinnati, and he played yesterday, it's a really bad spot. Now, you're looking at Sonigo. He did go to three sets against Shevchenko, but once again, he did have some time off in between his matches uh, leading up to the Shevchenko match, so he should be the more rested guy. Three and a half games, though, for Fritz. Like, you can get Sonigo at four games at, like, minus 130, which I think is a pretty decent option. But I don't want to lay it with Fritz here. You're looking at the head-to-head, and it is quite competitive between these two players. And I do think that you're looking at what can be another three-set marathon. And Sonigo, once again, with these slower, hardcore conditions, can maybe combat Fritz's serve a little bit better than in most hard courts. But to go through the head-to-head, it is 4-2 Fritz. They faced off on hard court a couple of times. To read off the two outcomes, one was in 2021 in Doha, and the other one was the other one was in 2021 in Paris. So in Doha, Fritz won seven six six four, and in Paris, Fritz did win, but it went three sets, three six six two six three. So you're looking at what has been a lot of very competitive matchups, even on clay and on grass. You've seen each player win a set. So you're looking at what should be a marathon match between these two players based on the head-to-head, regardless of hard court or not. I'm on the over, and I am tempted by the underdog here. 22.5, I think, is a little bit too low. It can go three sets. I think Sonigo, I see plus 3.5 games at plus 105. That's appealing. If you want to get three sets, you can find that at plus 165. Plus 165 is a hell of a deal. I don't care what anybody tells you. I know Sonigo has been a bit of a head case lately, but... Fritz with fatigue, and once again, the close head-to-head nature in the past. I think I got to take the over. Like, 165 for three sets is crazy. I'm going to take that. But looking at anything else here uh, for the card, once again, you have a couple of interesting matchups. You have Sitsipas against Shelton. Sitsipas should win. He's a head case. I'm not going to bother. Not really much to break down besides that. You have Hercatch against Chorich, which is interesting, because Hercatch is around minus 175. Chorich is around plus 140, plus 150. And Chorich is 3-1 and one in the head-to-head. They faced off on clay 
earlier this year in Madrid, which George won. They faced off in Vienna last year, which is a hardcore tournament. George won in a third set tiebreak, and a lot of the other matches were earlier, 2020 and earlier than that. But I think George is live here. Her catch played a lot of tennis against uh, Kokonakis yesterday, and he did win in three sets, but once again had to play a long time. George had to play for two days because it got rained out early in the second set when he was up a break against Korda, but he finished it off in the match yesterday. The point is George should be the fresher guy, and he also is the defending champion. So plus 157, which I see on Bet Online, is a very good price for George. I'm going to take it. Uh, her catch is a tiebreaker machine, and yet George, once again, is definitely more comfortable on this court because he won the damn title last year. I think George is alive. I know I'm mentioning a lot of underdogs, which might get interesting for the lock and dog section, but plus 157 on the defending champion fading guy that came off a three-set win, a long three-set win, that's tempting. I think there's value on that. Give me George, and I am tempted by the over 22 and a half in that match as well. Uh, besides that, you have Dimenauer against Monfee. Not many books have lines available because of the Monfee injury. So I don't have much to talk about it, but I am an only to Dimenauer. Monfee with the knee injury is not a good combo facing off against Dimenauer, who only wants to keep the ball in play. Monfee turned on the aggression a little bit and the overall speed because he tried to shorten the points, so his forehand was a lot faster as he was trying to shorten some rallies. But against Dimenauer, that might be a marathon, and even though Monfee was able to get by with an injury against Nori, Dimenauer's in great form, and I think Monfee's knee injury is going to be a serious problem. Maybe Adrenaline was able to kick in after the first set against Nori, but Against Dimenauer, you got another thing coming. I just think Dimenauer's in better form, and with Monfi having a bad knee, is there a chance he retires leading into the U.S. Open? Maybe. I think it's possible he withdraws. From, he with, uh, retires if he tweaks something in his knee again, decides, you know what, U.S. Open's in a couple of weeks, I'm going to rest up, try to get a spot. He'll probably be a wild card in it, but still. The point is, Monfi has bigger tournaments on the horizon, and I do think that his knee potentially bothering him once again is a sign that he we might cash this via retirement. So keep that in mind. But I'll go with Dimenauer to get the job done. I don't really trust anything else there because I'm not sure if Monfi's going to complete the match. So maybe I'll look for a parlay piece with Dimenauer money line. Uh, besides that, though, the last two matches I'm going to talk about, you have Fakina taking on Djokovic. Actually, three matches because once again, Fakina Djokovic, I'm not going to assume Djokovic is going to lose, but I think Fakina can make it interesting. So I'm not going to bother taking Djokovic spread, for example. Rune and McDonald's interesting. I think McDonald's actually kind of live uh, at plus 150. It's a low number, but I have not been impressed with Rude's form. He's lost four straight matches. And he also, well, I mean, that's including Hopman. So if you want to include that, you can. But he's only played one hardcourt match since several months ago, pre-Wimbledon. And he lost to Guy Ronan three. McDonald's, we saw him make a relatively deep run in Toronto. I think he might be able to make a decent run here. But plus 150, it's tempting. And the last match between Tiafo and Warenka, I'm going to go with the over. They faced off three times in their careers. All three matches went to three sets, and Warenka won all three of those matches. One took place in 2019, one took place in 2020, and those were both on hard courts, and one took place in London 
in 2022. That was a three-setter. All three sets went to breakers, and Warenka won. And that's more interesting because Tiafo is the better grass court player. Warenka's never exactly been that comfortable on grass in his career. But anyway, that's going to actually do it for the preview of the uh, Wednesday matches. And now it's time to get into the lock and dog picks. But forward to that, kind of a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about all of you, but I love to attend sporting events in person. And the one thing that's annoying about that is being stressed out when buying those tickets. Let me tell you right now that Game Time does solve that problem because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. They also have great features on the app, including the images of seat views. And when I'm personally buying tickets, I love that feature because I like to know what my view is going to be if I do buy those tickets, and that helps me with the filtering down process before I make my purchase. But Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets tickets right up to the day of the event and game the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code sgpn for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account or redeem the code sgpn for 20 dollars off download game time today Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by the SGP Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon to get exclusive access to contests, including the NFL win totals contest with a $1,000 first place prize. Besides season-long contests, they also have weekly contests just for patrons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes stories from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling do your part and sign up today. Sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. Sportscampodcast.com slash Patreon. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing some of the matches taking place on Wednesday in the round of 32 in Cincinnati. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the action. Starting off with the lock for the show, I am going to go with a two-pick parlay in this one. Can do something different. Starting off with the simple leg, I'm going to go with Zverev Moneyline at minus 600. Simply put, I think Nishioka is a pretty good hardcore player in general, but recently has not been in good form. Had a good win against Bereri in the first round, but Zverev was incredible against Dimitrov. And the issue that I have with Nishioka, he's not a great server, and I really don't know what he does better at than Zverev. Zverev is better at everything, and I do think when you're looking at, once again, Zverev being the much better server, Eventually, Zverev's going to wear down Nishioka over time. Maybe Zverev plays like an idiot and loses a set, but I'd be shocked if he actually lost this match. Give me Zverev money line as the first play at minus 600. And the second play is going to be Dimenauer money line at minus 250 against Munfi. Simply put, I'm going to fade the injured player. I've mentioned it several times before. Munfi, I acknowledge, has been playing very good tennis lately, but he was in a long tournament run. At Toronto, so was Dimenauer, but at least he's healthy. But Monfils battled a bunch of injuries recently, and that's why he missed so much time. Now he tweaked his knee, and yes, I know he was able to overcome it against Nori. But you could tell for the rest of the match, his movement was a bit compromised. And Dimenauer, I think, is going to simply put, make Monfils run. He's going to make Monfils hit extra shots. Monfils is not going to be able to serve that well because he can't get much lift with the injured knee. 
I think Dimenauer is going to wear him down. Maybe you see Munfi quit mid-match. If one set is complete when that happens, we win. So just keep that in mind. That's why I'm trying to stay away from spreads or totals in that match. Because if Munfi drops, then you push. So once again, the two-pick parlay is going to be Zverev Moneyline at minus 600. And Dimenauer Moneyline at minus 250. And that two-pick parlay pays out at minus 160. I know it's a bit juicy, but I do like it. And I think fading an injured player, as far as I'm concerned, Nishioka is not beating Zverev. So you're basically getting Dimenauer against an injured player at minus 160, which I'll take. But at the end of the day, that's going to be my lock. Now, for my dog, I am going to go to a total. Totals have done pretty well for us lately. I am going to go to a matchup that I mentioned last, actually. It's going to be in a matchup between Tiafo and Warenka. And for this one, I am going to go with the over two and a half sets at plus 120. Simply put, when you have three career matches and all three matches go to three sets, I'm not going to assume that this match is going to be any different. And you're looking at how these have players have played in the early portion of the event. Warenka ended up beating Nakashima in three. Tiafo ended up beating Greekspore in three. So both players have already gone the distance in their lone match here. If you want to look at the past matches too, Warenka was taking some time off as he ended up playing in Umag, made the final against Papyrin. And I was concerned about how he would look transitioning from clay to hard court with some time off in between. And he looked good for the most part. And I think when you're looking at Tiafo. We know that he can be a head case at times, but he has gone to three sets in each of his last two matches as he ended up beating Greek Spore I mentioned a second ago, and he lost to Rayonich in three sets in the first round of Toronto. But simply put, there have been some long matches lately, and when you're looking at the head-to-head once again being 3-0 and to the three sets, plus money, I think it's a pretty solid price. So I'm going to go with it. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock's going to be on a two-pick parlay, Zverev money line, and Dimenauer money line. And that pays out at minus 160. And for my dog, I'm going to go with Tiafo and Warenka over two and a half sets. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're back once again uh, at some point, I'd say early Thursday morning to break down the round of 16 in Cincinnati. Until then, though, find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. Find me on the NBA show, the MLB show the NFL show. You get the point. I'm forgetting a couple podcasts, but whatever. It is what it is. Until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.